And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not work, do not do that. I am your fellow servant. And of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want to show a practical application of the scripture that someone shared with me a while back and it just really resonated with me. That when someone shares a testimony of, of what Jesus has done in their lives, the spirit of prophecy is saying God wants to do that again. In other words, when you hear a testimony of what God has done in someone else's life, when you hear that testimony of a healing or deliverance or a financial breakthrough, when you hear that testimony, the Lord is, is speaking to you. He wants to do it again. And so it's important for us to share what God is doing, not only so it's, that it solidifies what the Lord is doing in our lives, but so that it it causes grace to arise to impart faith into the hearers so that they can receive from God in the very same way. I've heard of many testimonies of people declaring of how they were healed of, of various things. And then people in that congregation, in that, in that hearing, receive the same miracles, the same manifestation. And that's what I believe God wants to do. God wants us to testify of His goodness. We've been going through some hardships. I know you have been going through a really rough place. Many of us have. But the Lord wants us to testify of His goodness. And I was, as Daniel and I were talking this Friday, we were talking and, and he was saying something. I can't remember specifically what he was saying. But as he was talking, I got a picture. And it was, it was like a person working out and they were bench pressing. Now, man, I, I know you understand what bench pressing is. It's when you get a whole bunch of weight, you're laying on your back, and you're pushing up this weight, and you're building your chest muscles. You're building your upper body. And when you, a lot of times you'll do a bunch of reps. You'll do a lighter, use a lighter weight to do a bunch of reps, and it builds strength and stamina. But when you want to build bulk, when you want to get bigger, you do more weight, a lot of weight, less reps. It causes you to get bigger. And as Daniel was talking, I just got that mental picture and I felt like what the Lord was showing, what he's doing in this body, is he's putting on the heavier weight, which is going to enable us to do less reps, but it's going to cause us to get bigger. In other words, we're going to grow in maturity. Remember in, in James chapter 1, when it talks about consider it pure joy when we go through various trials. Remember that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right? <laughs> When we go through various trials, consider it pure joy when you go through various trials, knowing that. In other words, we can be joyful because of the end result of the trials that we're going through. The end result, if you go through trials with the Lord, grabbing a hold of His grace, then you're going to become more mature, lacking in nothing. So these hardships and trials that we've been going through, as we allow God to take them through us and we walk with Him through them and don't allow ourselves to get bitter at people or God, and walk in that grace, then we're going to come out the other side more mature. We're going to come out the other side with a testimony from the test. Are you with me? And so we can rejoice knowing that one, God has our back. He is for us. He has not forsaken us, which some of you have thought, man, God, you're not answering. 
but he's right there with you. I know we've been going through some things, and I know that there's been testimonies. I know there's been victories, and I want to give you the opportunity to share what God has done. It can be in the last few days, weeks, or whatever. Whatever God has been doing in your life, encouraging you, I want to give you the opportunity to share that. And so Ron has the microphone. Who would like to go first? We've got to have someone go first so we can have someone go second. All right, Chris. love you. Is this thing on? Is it on? Okay, there we go. Uh, my name's Chris Cangelosi. Uh My wife and I uh, quit our jobs. I was a firefighter paramedic at Cushing Fire Department. Um, she was the center director, nurse manager at Stillwater Life Services, and um, we both felt led to quit our jobs uh, back in June. Um, to go into some form of ministry, uh, pretty cloudy at the time, but, um, God brought me to the end of my rope through pretty much my first nervous breakdown, uh, my last two weeks of the fire department. And, um, so when I thought my life was over for the first time, uh, he brought us through that. We, we both quit our jobs, um, without any idea of what we were going to do, but he provided one job for my wife, a little tent making job that financially got us through for, um, about a month and then he called her to quit that job. And so when she quit that job, now we're dependent on me for the sole income and I don't have a job. And so I'd been working odd jobs, um, for brothers and sisters here in the church for, uh, other friends. And, um, we weren't making enough money to cover our bills. We were uh, living an okay life, working two jobs, um, but had no family time. And God had now called us into this next season of ministry. Um, with just a big question mark, just a blank of how it was going to look, what it was going to be like. And, um, but it was interesting how, um, by my third and fourth nervous breakdowns through this time, um, and my, I mean, I went through thoughts of suicide, thoughts of just what is going on. And then I remembered months back, I had prayed to go deeper and deeper and deeper and that God would break me down. And he was faithful to do that. And it was not fun at the time. Um, and so that weightiness that, <clears throat> that CJ was talking about um, is, you know, when I see it, I see the picture of Jesus loving us to death so that he can bring us back to life. And I know one of my brothers had uh, talked about a, a kind of a vision that he had had in that too. And that just, I, I had witnessed with that because uh, through this process of not having money, not, I, I have children I have to take care of. I have a wife to take care of. I have rent I have to pay. I have electricity I have to pay. We have food, all the same needs that everybody has. Um, and I'm just thinking, okay, God, what are we going to do? You got to provide somehow. Literally, um, I had people in the church who just supported me and pointed me towards the truth because it was a process that we had to walk through because God's, he loves us so much that he wants that personal intimacy with us and he wants our trust to be on him. And there were times whenever I, through this process, I put my trust in people I was working for as, as the provider and, um, and other things and, and, uh, through it all, through all the pain, all the, the confusion, the questions, um, in the moment that we had the most need, God showed up. Uh, he's provided jobs literally to the day that we needed them with the people we needed them. And one thing he's taught me through this process is that the kingdom is cyclical. He doesn't do everything just for Chris or just for Leah or our kids. 
he allows us to be a blessing as we're being blessed. And um, he's done it so much through our relationship with our family here. Um, we tried to walk the walk on our own for a long time in our marriage, and it wasn't until we got plugged back into our church and and um, were vulnerable uh, and entrusting relationships with our pastors and our friends that um, God has used them uh, to minister to us. And so um, within the last two months, uh, we literally, I've been in a job that God brought me to that I knew wasn't going to pay my bills. Um, he called my wife to stay home. And so by faith, we did this again. So um, each month that bills have come due, literally down to the day, uh, God has provided what we needed and even beyond what we've needed uh, to get by. This last week, my uh, last two weeks, my truck, my starter went out in my truck and um, God provided for that two days later. This last week, my alternator went out in my truck. Our washer went bad. Uh, we didn't have any groceries. We were $1,000 short on rent, uh, and God provided. Some through the body, some through anonymous people, I don't know. But what I do know is that I know who God is now. And I know that he's, <clears throat> that he's faithful to provide for my family. But had I not gone through the hell that it was, I would have never known it. Because he knew me, and he knew how stubborn I was, because I'm his son. <laughs> and he knew exactly what I needed for my heart to be his. And to be a blessing for you, to encourage you, um, that the joy set before us, it's now that I can wake up in the morning and thank God for this day, my daily bread, because tomorrow I know he's going to provide because he's shown himself faithful, you know? And so now whenever my hands hurt at work or, you know, we don't have any money, we can say praise God because he's good and because he does provide when you, when you step out in faith, he, he provides and he ministers to your heart. He he makes it to where it's not just you believe in him because we're supposed to. It's we're seeking him because we want to and we find him because he lets us. And then we love him even more because we find him even more. And he's good. And um, I'm just so thankful to God for for you and for, for him and uh just for what he does in our lives and, and for the hard, the hard times are so good. If I can just say that the hard times are what's produced the love for him that, that our family has, the hard times, the difficult times are where our faith grows and where our maturity grows and, and we're able to, to see him and love him for who he is. And it doesn't become something that we do on Sundays. It becomes a relationship and a worship that we have of him because he is God and because we are loved and because we are accepted and, because he's good and so that we can pour that out on each other and we can let him do that through us. But I'm sure I missed a whole bunch, but my wife, she was supposed to be here today, but the baby's sick. So, you know, if y'all have any questions or need encouragement, she's, she's great to, to give some more thoughts on that stuff. So. Who's next? This is share of God's goodness. Candy. We're kind of right there with Chris (laughs) because at the end of June, I quit my job too. And without God's leading, don't do that. (laughs) I would not suggest it. (laughs) Right, Chris? (laughs) Only when you follow God's leading, 
he shows up, okay? And I want to share from a book that I'm reading right now that is helping change my priorities, okay? I went three months with no income, and I was pretty much the major income bringer in for our family. And God supplied and supplied and supplied, and the people at work cannot believe um, how God is helping me and blessing me. That's such a testimony to people who don't know him to see God work in your life. And sometimes that takes a risk. Sometimes you have to risk something in order for them to see that in your life. Um, so Jesus says in Matthew six thirty-one to 34, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own trouble. So are we pagans? (laughs) When we chase after those things of the world, when we we chase after our needs, what he's trying to tell us is, Reprioritize what you're thinking. Reprioritize the important things of your life. And the important things of your life are him. And when you keep him as the focus of your life, he takes care of everything else. And that's exactly what's happening with you. And that's exactly what's happening with us. And it's amazing to see. So I just want to encourage you today. Don't run after those things of the life, of life that we need. Run after him. Run after God. Chase God. Follow his way. And he will supply for you. And he will do incredible things in your life. I never remember chapters and verses, but... I have learned through a few years of not quite what Chris has gone through, not quite what Candy's gone through. I had to become the caregiver instead of the child. And that was when I learned a lesson of no matter what happens, God's got a plan. I don't care what happens. You get up in the morning, you say, hallelujah, Lord, good morning. This is the day that you have made. I shall rejoice in it and be glad. And I know you got a plan no matter what comes after me. I just want to share a, a testimony that we had brought, we had brought before the, the, the church um, where we, we need to have a, a house where we moved from McAllister up here to Stillwater, sold, and, and we brought it before the, the church. And many of you prayed, and, and we just want to let you know that by God's grace and, and how he hear his saints. And, I really think, I, I don't want to start saying names of those who, who, who told us they were praying for us because I'll forget somebody, but, but the Lord has delivered and the Lord has given, the Lord has given us blessings and, and, and we believe that 
this is a blessing that cannot be taken away. And, and we're just so thankful. There's a little bit more to the story than that. But you know how men are. They just give you the short version. Well, how much time do I have? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we, we lived in McAllister before coming up here. And Aaron had actually been living partly in Stillwater, partly in McAllister for like six years. Because McAllister was what we was considering home, and he came up here for a job situation that we thought was going to be two years. And like I said, two years now, and then expanded into six years. Well, I had a a job in McAllister, and it it was it was actually more than a job. It was something that I know I had heard the Holy Spirit tell me to do. It was a calling. It was a birthing of a ministry that was to provide health care to people who did not have insurance. And and I I had left a position, and I was crying out to God, asking him, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do now? And it was a Sunday during a service, and the pastor was speaking on vision, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, uh, why not McAllister? And he was like, well, what, what is that telling you? Well, I know what I had been praying for. And so when he said, why not McAllister, I knew he was talking about starting this health center. Well, I didn't know anything about starting a health center. I'm a a nurse by profession. Well, I'm not going to go into that story because we'll be here for a long, long time. But to make it short, the health center was started. And so I was still in the midst of doing the health center. And, I mean, there was time when I actually would feel angry with him because I'd be like, why don't you just tell me, quit the job and come to Stillwater? But he wouldn't do that. He said, if this is what God told you to do, then this is where we just did the separate household things. And so I had started praying and asking God, I said, okay, something wrong with this picture. You gave me him first, and we married, but he's living in one place, and I'm living in another place. But then I know you told me to do this, and the two aren't coming together. What's wrong with it? And it was like within a month of me starting to pray like that, the Holy Spirit gave me peace that it was okay for me to lead the position that I had at the health center. And by that time, I was the CEO of the health center because of some stuff that had went on. But when God tell you to do something, do it. Even if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, just do it because he'll give you step by step as you get to it, how to do it. And because the majority of the stuff they had to do with the health center, I didn't know how to do. I just wanted to take care of patients, but I ended up writing grants and all kind of other stuff. But he blessed it, and, and I was to a point like, okay, I clearly heard God say do it. When it's time for me not to be doing it, I should be able to clearly hear him say not do it. And because I, I just kept, I didn't even like going to the health center anymore. But I kept saying, I'll go as long as you tell me to go. And I'll go through whatever you tell me to go through, even though it's hard being here now. And one morning, I was praying, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me just as clearly as he said, why not make Alice? He said, what did I tell you to do? I said, you told me to start it. He said, what did you do? I said, I started it. And when it got in trouble, I stepped in to help it get out of trouble. And then he didn't say another word. I just had total peace, and I knew it was okay for me to go. And then that's when we started the process of moving up here, which meant now we got a house down in McAllister that 
have to be sold. And to be able to afford the house that we have here in Stillwater. And I mean, God been blessing us in, in that process. But it's like, okay, God, we really would like for that house to be sold. And we both been praying. And like you said, other, we, others here in the church been praying with us. And then Friday at the worship night, Pastor CJ said, everybody who have a financial need, come up to the front right now. And I was like, well, I was thinking to myself, well, we don't really have a financial need. We just need that house sold. And Aaron said, come on, we need to go up. And so we went up. And then late yesterday evening, we got a message from the realtor saying, this couple that had been coming, and they had came to the house three times. And, you know, usually when people keep coming back, you kind of got them. But (laughs) And she said, well, it's not a definite yet because it's not finalized until the paper is signed on Monday. Well, we was praying, we was just thanking God that yes, this person to put an offer on it is an offer that we can accept. And I went to the bedroom and as I was coming back out the bedroom, that Holy Spirit just kind of dropped my head. You need to shout like it's already finished. Just shout because you got the victory. And I walked back in the kitchen. And jump. And I walked back in the kitchen. He was in there doing like this. And I was like, I was like, uh, what are you doing? He said, uh, I said, are you shouting? Like, is it about the house? And he said, yeah. I said, I just got that too. I said, you ready? And so we both was in the kitchen jumping up and down and shouting because we just believe in and trust in God. And, and on that note, I know that everybody in here is going through whatever they're going through. And God just wants you to know that when he done told you yes, then that means you can start the party right now. You don't have to wait until you got it in your hand. And as you start the party, then the enemy is going to be confused because he's going to think you already got it. And then he'll move on. All right, who's next? All right, Norio. Praise God. Hey, real quick, I'm asking you to come up front so everybody can see you without getting neck strain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got to be up front, right? <laughs> okay, um, I have many testimonies, but I'm only going to share one, and it's the one the Holy Spirit placed on my heart while I was um, here in worship. Um, me coming here is a testimony in itself, you know, in terms of just getting my scholarship and everything. And that's a story and a testimony for another time. But my desire to go and get higher education is one thing, but it also meant that I had to be here by myself without my husband, without family, without friends, and just starting over and just being here for the years by myself. And I remember one day I was on campus and I just felt this heaviness, boy, I want to go home. I'm really sad. I'm really homesick. I want to go home. And I was walking on campus and I was like, where are you, God? You know, cause I'm not feeling this right now. I don't even know if I really did the right thing in coming here. And as I walked on campus, I saw a sign and a guy there and it said, free hug. <laughs> I was like, I started to laugh. I was like, free hug. What's that? But I mean, it brought a smile, but then I was still feeling low in my spirit. So as I walked again, like this was in front of the library for those of you who know on campus. So as I walked by the library and then I started to walk 
down heading to the union, I looked to the left and I saw a sign that said, free conversation. <laughs> and I was like, free conversation? And the guy was like, yeah, come on. So I was like, okay, I got nothing to lose. So I came and I, I went and I sat with him. And would you believe it that when I sat there with him, there were like three or four persons there at the free conversation table. But the guy that the Lord placed there to talk to me, he just came back from Jamaica. And so, and so he just provided me at the time, you know, like all the things that I was missing, you know, he and I could share right there on it. And, and, and so, you know, we, we just had a good laugh and I, I got up from that table in good spirits. But he wasn't finished with them, me then because by the time I, I was heading to the union and so after I left that table and I walked around the corner, I saw somebody with a Jamaica cap on. <laughs> and then that was my friend AJ. So the loneliness that I was feeling, I mean, he just provided, you know, different people at different points to help lift me out of that um, depression mode that I was in. And so the word I want to share with you is that irrespective of how big or how small your desires are, you know, whatever it is that you're going through, you know, Jesus is your daddy, you know, and your father loves you. And so whatever it is, whatever stress, whatever trouble, whatever it is that you're going through, you might think he has other big things that he needs to be paying attention to. Like, why would he business with me and loneliness? But he provided for me that day and he's been providing for me ever since. So just praise God. Hello. Um, my middle son, uh, for years and years, um, well, he's seven now, but, um, he would eat different foods and, and not feel well. Um, a lot of it was like milk and whatnot, but anyways, um, so one day he decided to come forward and, and, uh, get prayer. And, um, we saw it, uh, an instant change um you know he was he was the type of kid that didn't want to eat anything because he'd get sick and um just right away just he started just eating everything in the house and um he's been going to school now without walking in saying oh i don't feel good today because i just ate breakfast and um you know after after the prayer i mean it was just instantaneous and um you know we saw a huge difference in him and and he even, he saw it, and um, it's been a good testimony for our family and our other boys as well. And my, my wife will probably fill in blanks because I'm not good with it. <laughs> what do you want to say? Can you say hi? Titty butt. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a little distraction there. <laughs> He's four. He'll get through it. Just to give you a little background information, Vinny would throw up randomly at any place, any time, restaurants, in the car. Um, we'd be driving down the car, and then there he is thrown up. So he never felt good, never at one time ever said, I'm hungry for seven years. And um, he would lay in bed at night at prayer time and say, please pray for me, my tummy hurts so bad. And he said the pains were sharp, and we had gone to many doctors, and the doctors said, I don't know, I'm not sure. 
we can try Prilosec. So he was on Prilosec. He was on lactose-free milk. Um, nothing, nothing really worked. It helped a little bit. He stopped throwing up, but he still had the sharp pains, and he still was never hungry. So they had prayer for healing one day, and I said, "Do you, would you like to go up? And he's really, really shy, so he said, no, I don't want to go up. And I said, well, you can pick anybody you want. We'll just we'll go up there, and we'll have them pray for, pray for you. And so I talked him into it, and he went up, and he got prayer. And after that, I thought, I'm not going to say anything. We're just going to see what happens. I'm not going to mention it to him or say anything. He didn't ask for his medicine. A week went by, and I said, you haven't asked for your medicine. And he said, I forgot. It doesn't hurt anymore. It just doesn't hurt at all. So now he says, I can't believe all it took was for me to go up and get prayer one time. And now he says, I'm hungry. And actually the next two services that we attended, we'd sit in church and he'd say, Mom, I'm so hungry. It hurts so bad. I'm so hungry. I'm like, that's a good thing. I said, you haven't eaten in seven years. Of course you're hungry. So, praise God. All right, anybody else? Can we get someone in the back? We got Betty. Okay, most of you might know this, but I'm going to, I haven't had a chance to speak it. Um, Last August, I quit my job of almost five years. I was stressed out, worried. Um, It was splitting me and my husband apart like crazy. And within a month, I was pregnant. We've been trying for over two years. And... um, she came early. She was three months early. It was um, like all of a sudden I was sick, and my blood pressure was 200-something over 65, which is way wrong if you know anything about that. And I was, metaf- I was transferred to Children's Hospital. I had to wait four hours to be stable to be transferred. And the next day she came. Um, the vocal cord was around her neck three times. She was um, severely underweight. And after we got home, I read the medical report, and it took them 10 minutes to get her stable to leave the room. But she was never critical. Um, I wasn't officially on a emergency C-section. It was a planned out time frame thing. Um, I was released in the, from the hospital and a decent amount of time. She um, was um, only ventilated for two days, which is really good for the fact that she was severely underweight and the stage that she was at. Um, she, uh, we were on and off the oxygen, but that was just, she just liked the feel of it. We struggled with her learning to eat, to eat with her mouth and um, digestive issues. But we came home before her due date. We were only there for 81 days, and that was a time of humbling and um, major humbling because we had to rely on other people for transportation, for food, for the finances to be able to be, for Scott to be up there and come home for work. We had to um, 
live at another house that was not ours with the curfew, which neither one of us have ever had, um, have people with our baby and ask us to, you know, step aside so they could deal with the baby at any given time. Um, but we met so many families and we were blessed by so many people and, um, my cousin's actually up at the hospital right now with their baby and I just want to tell them that, you know, they're at the perfect place and, um, you know, CJ came up there what, four times, five times. Yeah. He was always there. But um, it was, I never thought anything was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, I was in the hospital, depending on anyone for anything. And But she came home on a monitor. She set it off once, and that was it. And she's eating normal. She's just a little bit behind, but that's only because she physically has to make up. There's no, she's not going to have any mental retardation or physical retardation or any of that stuff. She's, she's just a little bit behind getting up. And it's made us, um, Scott and I lean on each other so much that we've, um, have to trust each other. We have to talk to each other about everything. Like, was the last time she ate? How much she eat? What I need to feed her now? And it's just insane to think about all the little things that, God has to show us, you know, hey, this this couldn't have happened. And thank you all for your prayers and everything. But she's seven months old now, and she's excited and wants to be around everyone. And, you know, she only cries when she's tired. So, but I just want to thank everyone for everything. And that, you know, she, every baby's a miracle, but she made it so clear that, God was there, and she's always, he's always there. Okay, who's going to be the last one? All right, Ina Rose. First, I want to thank everyone that was here Friday night. Uh, We prayed for my grandson. Uh, a week ago, uh, things seemed to turn in his life, and he has a brain cancer. And uh, he's lived a year, uh, and strongly, but all of a sudden this thing manifests again. And he'd call me, you know, pray with me, Grandma, and I could sense the fear in him now. And I tell you what, every day talking to him pretty soon, it was starting to I was, my faith was waning, you know, and I just couldn't seem to get enough out of me to really bless him. Well, last week it was intense. I mean, you know, so he called once and the Lord just provided Todd to walk through the house. And I said, here's the phone, Todd. And, uh, you know, he talked to him and built him up and and then uh, another day went by, he called again, and I just, oh, I just, you know, it's your grandchild. And uh, I considered that I walk in faith, but it was getting to where, whoo. Anyway, that day happened to be that Greg walked through the door, which is kind of unusual at my house. He's a very busy man. And I just handed the phone to him, and I said, well, he got an entire lesson on the blood covenant and where to stand. <laughs> And he, and he says, Greg, I need your phone number. And I thought, thank God. But then where, where we were when we came Friday night and, uh, 
it was, uh, you know, when Todd started praying for Joshua and, um, that some, there, it's just, there was something that fell in here tremendous Friday night. And I, I just, something released in me of, of the concern or the fear myself. They're going to do surgery Thursday, go back in for exploratory. And do you know, since Friday night, I've tried to worry and I cannot do it. And I know it's from there. Something broke during that time. And I want to thank everybody. And I thank God for people that have been faithful to come here and let us move on into high praise. Because that's the presence of God and that's where we get deliverance. And I got deliverance Friday night. She mentioned something about the blood covenant, the covenant that Jesus made with his people. That's us. And we're going to take communion right now uh, because we want to be reminded of what he's done for us, particularly when we're going through it. Sometimes we need to be reminded not only that Jesus is with us, but the fact that he's made provision for our need. Amen. I'm going to read out of uh, Luke chapter 22, verse, verse 15. It says, Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Jesus was eager to do this with his disciples. And I never saw that verse or it never really stood out to me other than this morning that I think Jesus is eager to go through this time with, with us and him so that we can be reminded of how much he loves us. And every one of us, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, how many of you are going through a rough time, we'd all raise our hands, some of us both hands and feet as well, because life has been very difficult. But I just want to encourage you, and I appreciate those of you who shared the testimony, sharing God's goodness, sharing that one, he was right there with you at that time. He is right there with you. He said he would never, ever, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. Never, ever leave you or forsake you. And so he's here with you right now. He's not going to leave you. And he made provision for us to be whole, to be, you know, for our needs to be met. In verse 19, it says, And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So he, he started a covenant, an agreement, a contract. He's the one that initiated it. He's the one that said, Look, you are my responsibility. I'm going to take care of you. He's the one that started all that. And so we can come to him with faith and confidence, knowing that he's got our back, that he's going to take care of us. And what I'll, do, what I'll do is we're going to take communion together. Uh, but before we pass out the elements, I want to give you an opportunity just to reflect and, and, and just search your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. Because sometimes we can bring trials into our lives because of sin. Let me say that again. Sometimes we can bring trials into our lives because of sin. In other words, the Lord says, I want you to do this. 
and we do this. If you don't believe me, ask Jonah. You know, God told him to go over here, and Jonah said, I don't think so, I'm going over here. So sometimes we can make bad choices, disobedience. You know, the Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, around 23-ish, I keep forgetting to look at it specifically, but it says that, talks about, in your anger, do not sin, and do not let the, the sun go down on your anger, and give the devil place. In other words, when we sin, we give the devil place, or an opportunity, legal right, to come into our lives and cause problems. And Jesus said that the thief, referring to Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job description. Steal, kill, and destroy. But that's not all he said. He says, but I, I like that but, that's a good one. But I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. So no matter what the destruction that the enemy tries to bring in our lives, Jesus' life, his abundant life is bigger. Amen? His abundant life is bigger. So, and the cool thing about God's mercy and his grace, we might have brought some stuff into our lives or given the enemy place. But the cool thing about God is he delights in showing mercy. He delights in it. And you think of delight, think of something you delight in. I delighted in the game I watched last night between the Cowboys and Texas Tech. You know, that's something you get excited about. I believe God gets excited about showing mercy, especially with his kids. Especially with his kids. So we're going to give God opportunity to be delighted this morning. Amen? And so what I want you to do is just close your eyes and just search your hearts and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, search my heart if there's anything you need to repent of. And I want to encourage you specifically, you've heard a lot of talk about this over the months and in the years here. We talk about forgiveness and bitterness. But that is one thing. <clears throat> Unforgiveness, it's clear in Scripture. When we hold odd against somebody, when we don't forgive people, that we are inviting the tormentor to come into our lives and wreak havoc. Do that thing of unforgiveness. So let's not play around with that. And so I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart and say, Lord, is there anybody that I have not forgiven? Anybody that I am still holding ought against? I'm still holding bitterness against? Because typically you ask any Christian, oh, I've forgiven. Oh, I've forgiven. We're quick to say that. But have we forgiven from the heart? And so, Holy Spirit, I give you permission right now to bring up anybody, even the people I don't want you to bring up. I give you permission to bring them up, Father, to search my heart, to see if there be any offensive way in me. And I'm trusting you to lead me in the everlasting way, the right way. And if there is somebody or people brought up in your mind, that you know that you have not forgiven. We're not going to make this a quick, easy fix and say, okay, God, I forgive that person. I'm not going to do that. If His grace is there for you to do that, then grab a hold of it. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Invite the Holy Spirit 
to begin the process of helping you move into complete forgiveness with that person or those people. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm stuck. I know I need to forgive. But it's hard. I can't. But I'm inviting your help. I'm inviting your grace. And I'm submitting this to you. I'm submitting that person, that situation to you, Father. I believe that's the step he wants you to take. And then as you just continue to take him by the hand, he's going to lead you through that process. It may be with someone else outside of you helping. For example, Father's Heart Ministry, which I highly recommend. Getting with a brother or sister and saying, hey, could you pray with me about this situation? Or it may be something that he gives you the grace to handle between you and him. But don't just assume that. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to search our hearts. If there's anything other than unforgiveness, we invite you to bring that up, oh God, so that we can repent and turn away from that. And I'm going to invite the, those who are going to help pass out the elements. So you just continue to stay in the attitude and the heart of prayer. Just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. He wants to remind you during this time how much He loves you. Even in your mess, even when you've messed up and right now it's brought before you and you're reminded of how much you've messed up. Right now what He's wanting to say to you is, I love you. And we're going to pass the drink and the bread out together. And then, um, then we're going to pray together. So when you get the elements, just hold on to it, and then we'll take it together, okay? And why is it important to deal with the sin? Well, there are obvious reasons. But a lot of times your sin, your unconfessed sin, your bitterness or whatever, can hinder, will hinder the grace of God flowing into your life. I mean, how many of you have heard testimonies of people who came up for prayer and were sick with with various different things. And I can think of a number of testimonies where the person asked for prayer. They had been prayed for many times. Nothing seemed to happen. The person that was ministering to them received the word of knowledge. In this particular case, this lady had bitterness against her mom. And so the person, the prayer minister asked, do you have ought? do you have bitterness, unforgiveness towards your mom? And the lady was surprised. Like, how did you know that? Said, so, well, the Holy Spirit just showed me that. Is that true? And she said, yes, I do have unforgiveness. Well, the person led her through prayer. She repented, forgave, and she was instantly healed. So in that situation, it was just a matter of her repenting of her bitterness that opened the door for the, for the provision of the Holy Spirit to flow into her life. I really believe as a church we're about to move into and experience some major breakthrough. We're ready for it, aren't we? We're ready to see people get healed. We're ready to see Joshua walk in complete healing. We're ready to see those who are struggling or dealing with cancer healed completely. The tumors destroyed, obliterated. That's what God wants. That's what He made provision for. And that's what we're being reminded of as we take 
these elements, which I forgot to get. As we're waiting and almost finished, I just want to remind you or let you know in case you don't know that we every week have communion elements sitting right there in the back corner. So if any time during worship you want to take communion, you don't have to wait till we do it corporately. You're welcome to grab a hold of the elements and, and just have a time with you and God. Or you can even have it with your family. So we make that available every Sunday uh, for you. Okay, I just want to remind you of that. Everybody have the goods? Anybody not? Right. Well, Father, we thank you that you provided Jesus for us, for our salvation, for our reconciliation with you. And Jesus, we thank you that you allowed yourself to be obliterated, your body to be destroyed, to be beaten beyond recognition so that we can be whole and healed. So as we take this bread, we say thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and for your sacrifice for my, for me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. And Jesus, we thank you for your precious blood that was shed, the abundance of your blood that was shed as you were beaten. And whipped. And all of that blood was for me to be whole, for me to be cleansed, to me to be, for me to be forgiven. Every sin, every sin, every sin is covered by this blood that Jesus shed for us. And Father, we say thank you. Thank you. Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now let's pray. <clears throat> and this time what we're going to do is the need that you have, we're going to bring before our Father. Whether it's physical, whether it's financial, emotional, whatever. Father, we just thank you that we as your kids can boldly approach your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in time of need. Lord, we have need. We thank you for the testimonies. We thank you for being reminded of your goodness being manifested in the lives of our brothers and sisters. We thank you for the encouragement. And Father, we thank you for our faith being built up. And say, Lord, Lord, I bring this need to you. And what I want to encourage you to do, just begin to speak to him your need, what you're wanting him to do. Just begin to speak that need. And Father, I thank you for making provision for my need. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to do your thing and just heal your people. We thank you for healing in our brothers and sisters that are dealing with tumors and cancer. And we speak to those tumors and we curse them in Jesus' name. We command them to die at the word of the Lord. Those things have to bow to Jesus. 
And Jesus, we thank you that by your stripes we were healed. And Lord, we thank you that you promised to meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You have no lack. You have no lack. And so we thank you for your abundant provision. Father, those who are bound with with despair, loneliness, brokenness, emotional trauma, I thank you for your healing and miraculous power flowing through every one of them right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The name of, I just speak to food allergies right now. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Food allergies. In Jesus' name. If anyone in here has a food allergy, I'm standing with you right now. In Jesus' name. The things that you are allergic to and you're not able to eat. We say that you are able to eat them again in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for healing and delivering that person, that brother, that sister, from those food allergies in Jesus' name. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your deliverance. We thank you for your healing right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.